In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Gospel reading today comes from the Gospel of St. Luke in chapter 7. And this particular Gospel passage has really grown continuously over the years to be one of my favorite passages, seeing very clearly something so infinitely important that our Lord Jesus Christ does for someone in this passage. I think the reason for this is that it, it really shows forth the entirety of the reason that Christ took on flesh and came and dwelt among us, and that is this, to conquer death, to raise us up from the death within us, and to grant mercy to all of His people. Because today in the Gospel reading, we see death encounter life, and death has absolutely no chance to survive the encounter. In this Gospel reading, we're told that Jesus is leading His disciples in a large crowd. I want you to picture kind of just a great procession now that's following Him everywhere. They've seen many things that Christ has done. They're following him in this great procession. They come to the city gates of this town of Nain. And at the very same time, inside the city itself, a great procession is forming. It's a procession around this widow who had lost her son to death. It's the procession where almost the entire town is going to process with his body. They're going to the gate to go out the gate and to bury her son. And this is where these two multitudes collide at the gate of the city, if you will. We're told that our Lord Jesus Christ saw what was going on. And he had great compassion over the widow. And so he moves past the crowd and into the crowd to get to the coffin that bore the widow's son. And he touches the coffin with his hand. And he says to the young man who was dead, Young man, I say to you, arise. And the one who was dead immediately sat up and began to speak. And Jesus presented the son back to his mother. Can you imagine the gift to the mother? The gift of life to the Son. The gift of mercy and compassion to all who were seen, and particularly for that mother. St. Cyril of Alexandria talks about this meeting of these two processions like this. He says, the dead man was being buried. Christ, the life and resurrection, meets him there. He is the destroyer of death and corruption. And he commands the woman to weep not. And immediately. The cause of her weeping was done away. And I love how so many of the church fathers speak to this gospel passage in the very same similar way, I would say, to what St. <clears throat> Cyril of Alexandria says, summed up. <clears throat> they always describe it like this. The great collision of two very different processions. The collision of the procession of life meets the collision. In collision, the procession of death. They collide at the gates of the city. And death has to roll away. Death cannot stand. And what we see here is that the raising of the widow's son is merely a microcosm that shows forth what God in his unfathomable love for each and every one of us has done through our Lord Jesus Christ. And St. Paul speaks to this love that he so wants us to experience in our lives in our epistle reading today from his letter to the Ephesians in chapter 3, when he says this to the church and to us. For this reason, 
I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ which passes our understanding that you may be filled with the fullness of God. What incredible language the apostle is saying when he is saying these things and these words, he is so compelled to be interceding before the Father in heaven on behalf of every Christian soul that our hearts become open to the experience of the unfathomable and immeasurable love of God. Can you picture that? An apostle kneeling before God, praying for God's people to experience and know the depths of that love in their life. This is the love he had for the church. And it was a love based on the love he'd experienced from Christ in his own life. That's why he says, for this reason I bow my knees to the Father that you may know and be strengthened in your spirit to comprehend this incredible love. He prays that we comprehend with all the saints the love that Christ has for us. And then he says to know the height and depth and width and length of that love. Isn't it interesting? Then in the same exhortation that Paul's giving, it's interesting that he's praying for us to comprehend what he says is incomprehensible. We can't understand it. We can't totally fathom. Who can fathom the depths of the love of God? But then on the other hand, St. Paul then goes to use human measurements to describe the love of God. Height and depth and length and width. And the reality is this. The love of God is something we will never fully comprehend and digest within ourselves no matter how much we experience it. But at the same time, God wants moments in this life for us to experience His profound love, to ever grow into the mystery of what we can't understand by that continued experience that He wants to grant us. You know, just like we've been talking about in our discipleship class, that God exists in His person as love. This is who He is. But love must be actualized and realized by another. And the way that the love of God is actualized and realized in our lives is in the moments in time that we have. The many opportunities we have for our hearts to be open and receive the experience and the revelation of, the God, of God's love over and over and over again. And one of the greatest moments in time, one of the greatest moments in history... That the love of God was manifest so vividly. I want you to listen to St. Gregory of Nyssa. Speak about St. Paul's measurements of the love of God. And what's being revealed to us. He says the divine mind of the apostle shows us. The fourfold figure of the cross. The fourfold figure of the cross. He knew that this figure. Which is divided into four segments. From the common center represents the power and providence of the one displayed upon it. These dimensions run through all things that exist. By the height, he means what is above. By the depth, he means the underworld. And by the length and the breadth, this world that we live in, which is under the control of his all-governing power. 
Hence we have revealed to us the wonder of the love of God as we behold the cross. As we behold the cross. Have you ever thought about that when St. Paul says to know the height, the depth, the length, and the width? We have the cross being set right before us of the incredible prism. Think of it as the very prism of the manifestation of God at such the most incredible point in history. Where God, through that prism of the cross, reveals the entirety of the depth of the love of God for mankind and for each one of us. For as Christ was on the cross, the love that existed eternally in heaven, don't forget what it did next. As he gave up his spirit, that love plunged into Hades. That the love of God for every soul in Hades might be revealed in the person of our Lord Jesus Christ. And being raised from the dead, that the love of God may be experienced and shed abroad through him in and through his holy church to the entirety of the human race. That the human race can experience the depth of the wonder of the love of God upon the cross even in their daily lives. You know, we often talk of making the sign of the cross as a great protection, a great defense for us, which is incredibly accurate according to the fathers and their experience in making the sign of the cross. We also have been taught to see the sign of the cross as a great weapon that we wield, given to us for our spiritual warfare, that when we are struggling with an enemy, constantly seeking to keep us from experiencing the profound love of God by distracting us this way and that, that we can make the sign of the cross. And I love that father that says about the making of the sign of the cross, that when we make the sign of the cross, the demons experience the crucified. And they have to run from it. They have to run from it. Have we ever thought this way about making the sign of the cross? What if we made the sign of the cross simply longing and crying out to God to experience the incredible love that was manifest on that cross in that present moment? Have you ever been in need of experiencing God's love in any moment, in any way in your lives? I have been in need of it when I have been tricked into an unhealthy shame in my life that I'm struggling to get out of. I have been tricked into it many different ways. And I desperately need the love of Christ to be manifest in those moments to bring me back to Him and to experience. I can't tell you how many times I have fallen and, be, and I'm brought to tears many times because God extends His love for me in the midst of my worst fallenness. We have need to experience the love of God. It is there to be had. When we make the sign of the cross upon ourselves, the church fathers teach us that everything that Christ did on the cross is there to be manifest in the moments of our signing ourselves with the cross. His overcoming of Satan, his overcoming of death, the shed blood, the mercy that comes from that to cover our sins and release us from our shame and from our fallenness. All of that can be experienced when we make the sign of the cross, the fathers say. And so can the unfathomable love of God when we do the height and depth and length and width upon ourselves and allow God in that moment to step into our time as if he's not there. Really, it's our hearts that are being awakened to it. But in that moment, to be able to experience the profound love of God for us. 
And I'll leave you with this truth. Just as at the gate of Nain, the procession of life met the procession of death, and death was dealt an eternal blow. Upon the cross, this was infinitely and ultimately true. And it could be manifest for us in those moments where life, Christ who was the life, hung upon it for the love of us and remained upon it even unto death. We can experience that in the moments. Sit before a cross. Look upon it and examine the love of God. Wear a cross upon your neck that's been blessed and every now and again reach up on it and grab it and consider the love of God. Sign yourselves with the Holy Cross and allow the love of God a moment to be manifest in your lives because to behold the Holy Cross is to behold the love of God. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.